Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I understand that it has been a little bit of time since our last episode, but uh, that OG Rona caught up with me and my voice was out for like probably a good solid week. And then it took me about another week, week and a half before I was able to talk without having to constantly cough or clear my throat or not sound like I am a fucking 80 year old woman at the slot machines in Vegas. So I am back and we are here for another episode. So let's go ahead and start getting into it and uh, start rolling. But before we start the main part of the episode, go ahead and check out our social medias. We are everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. We're mainly active on Facebook, Instagram, uh, starting to get more active on Twitter, but we also have MeWe, Parlor, uh, all, all the social medias. And we are everywhere, uh, the number 2A Lifestyle, except for Instagram, 2 is spelled out T-W-O-A Lifestyle. So go ahead and give us a follow and see what we're up to in between episodes there. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. That's the best way to keep up with new episodes as they come in. And if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes. iTunes is is king for podcasts. So if you can leave us a review and also just like a quick one-sentence review, uh, it's greatly appreciated. And also on Spotify. Spotify, it's easy, just quick five stars, you don't have to leave anything, and it goes down. I greatly appreciate any reviews you guys leave us. And then also, if you can, support us on Patreon. Uh, We are on Patreon at 2A Lifestyle Podcast, and anything you guys give us, it goes directly into this podcast. It's not anything that I keep in my pocket. It goes directly into the publishing uh, of this podcast, and anything that is used for the podcast, mics, fucking anything so uh with that i greatly appreciate it uh also i'm going to start saying if you are a business or if you know a business and you're looking for advertising you know uh avenues reach out to us at 2a lifestyle at mail.com uh we are looking for sponsors we're going to be starting putting out uh regular weekly episodes and we could definitely use some sponsors so i greatly appreciate if you want to advertise with us Again, reach out to us at 2alifestyle at mail.com. So with that, let's go ahead and start getting into the main segment of the podcast. Well, as with anything in this podcast, if you know, we are going to highlight the shooting sports. So with that, let's go ahead and start getting into some good stuff about the shooting sports. The first article comes to us from Amelan, uh, and it's titled, Loophole Pro Shooter Kate Estes Takes Top Lady Honors at 2023 Loophole Steel Classic. So the Loophole Steel Classic uh, was held at Nova Soda, Texas, January 28th through the 29th. And it is a Steel Classic, uh, which is Precision Rifle uh, Series Points match that was presented by Texas Precision Matches. It is also an AG Cup Qualifier match. Uh, and it char- you know, challenges shooters with targets out to 1,100 yards with different directions of fire. And more than 215 shooters participated. Estes, uh, she claimed the top lady with uh, following loophole pro shooter Laurel Ackenwood, who won top production. Uh, their team members, Chad Heckler and Jake Milliard and Brady Allenson, all fit or yeah, Brady Allenson, all finished in the top ten overall. So that's pretty fucking awesome. Congratulations, ladies! And like I said, we are always going to, cool, you know, point out the shooting sports because the shooting sports is how we kind of normalize the, you know, fire firearms ownership and get it more out in the mainstream. Speaking of mainstream, uh, this next article comes to us from Amelan. It's titled Team Winchester Sports Shooter Medal at Morocco World Cup. Now, if you don't know who Kim Rode is, Kim Rode is the most iconic Olympic shooting sports athlete in history. She has won her 34th gold medal at the 2023 
ISSF World Cup in Rabat, Morocco. Uh, she is a skeet shooter. Uh, she's also part of Team Winchester. Um, she is uh, took or you know her uh, Team Winchester member Dania Vizzi took home the silver medal. Sil- Goddamn silver medal in the mixed team skeet event and both shooters were competing along uh, with fellow team Winchester shooters Mady Bernal, Nick Moschetti, and Frank Thompson who they also qualified for the U.S. national team at the spring selection match in Tuscan, Arizona. And the last shooting sports article we're going to talk about uh, is going to do with uh, tactical athlete Ia Shurik, and I'm assuming I'm stating that name correctly. I'm sorry if I am incorrect, but this article comes from Amelin, and uh, Ia Shurik is now sponsored by Blackhawk Tactical. Uh, and if you aren't familiar with who, like it's, uh, she is a a uh, competitor in the tactical games, and the tactical games is becoming a huge uh, shooting sport. Uh, event. If you aren't familiar with what they are, they're on social media. They have like little clips of uh, what they do in you know the different shooting uh, positions and challenges and and stuff like that. Anyway, so she will be sponsored at the 2023 Tactical Games by Blackhawk. Uh, she is an up and coming female competitor, and this marks her second year of competition as well as Blackhawk's second year. Of sponsorship of the tactical games she is a Spokane Washington native uh, and she began you know obviously competing in the you know 2022 where she placed third at the Bend Oregon competition and second at the Phoenix Arizona competition which uh, sealed her national qualification at the national championship in Florence, uh, Florence Texas where she scored second among 15 other female competitors so congratulations to her. Uh, next article is going to come to us from Tactical Life, and it's titled, This Australian Defense Contractor NIOA Acquires Barrett Firearms. Now, if you aren't familiar with what Barrett Firearms are, Barrett Firearms are the makers of the iconic Barrett 50 caliber uh, rifle. And if you played any sort of first-person shooter game uh, that uses modern right, you know, modern firearms, <clears throat> you should know with uh, what the Barrett 50 Cal is. Uh, actually, just listened to an interesting podcast uh, on the Sean Ryan show uh, where the Canadian sniper made the longest uh, kill shot uh, during the, I think it was Iraq, uh, ISIS uh, campaigns against ISIS. And, you know, they used a Barrett 50 Cal. But anyway, so the NIOA's association with Barrett dates back to 08, which inspired the story uh, of them to, you know, build firearms uh, for more than, you know, Barrett's built firearms for more than four decades. Uh, And they are on the same mission, you know, basically uh, military contracts and stuff like that. Basically, Barrett is stating that it will be business as usual. And they will continue to operate under the Barrett brand as a separate division within the NIOA group alongside NIOA Australia, New Zealand, the Australian Missile Corporation, and the group's uh, investment joint venture company, Rheinmetall NIOA Munitions. So, but anyway, so all the, the management and the staff at the Murphy Burroughs Manufacturing Facility in Tennessee is going to retain their positions. Basically, they're just going to announce uh, new leadership uh, with the current Barrett President Sam uh, Schallenberger takes over as the CEO and longtime Barrett COO uh, Brian James assumes the role of president. So it's not a whole lot different. It's just basically, uh, you know, different you know, stock holders or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I'm not huge into the business side of that kind of shit, but uh, it's just an interesting little story. Next story uh, is talking uh, about a huge judicial win for uh, firearms owners, and it's coming to us from Recoil. And the title of the article is Federal Judge Rules prohibiting marijuana users from owning firearms is unconstitutional. Now, this is something that has been going on in the gun community talk 
for quite a while, especially with the, you know, pervade, you know, pervasiveness. I don't know if you want to, I might be using the wrong word, but basically uh, the more commonality of marijuana and the acceptance of marijuana uh, through different states where it's becoming medical and damn near close to all 50 states, uh, it's becoming more, you know, you know, recreational available in a bunch of different states and uh, what happened was is Jared Michael Harrison was arrested in Lawton, Oklahoma in May 22 following a or May of 2022 following a traffic stop and during the search of this car the police found a loaded revolver and marijuana while Oklahoma state law allows the use of medical marijuana Harrison did not have a state issued medical marijuana card in August 2022 Harrison was charged with violation of federal law prohibiting unlawful users or addicts of controlled substances from possessing firearms, which if you aren't familiar, uh, if you look on the 4473, of course, it asks you if you are a prohibitor of any, uh, you know, or any controlled substances. And if you are in a state that has medical marijuana or if you are in a state that has recreational marijuana, and if you use marijuana, you are, you know, if you say no on that, technically you're relying on a federal form. Because under the federal law, marijuana is still a controlled one substance, uh, controlled substance, uh, whatever, level one controlled substance, I think is what it's called. Um, and this has been a big thing ongoing in the farms community and especially in the marijuana community, which, you know, with marijuana becoming legal in more states I guess you could say um you know the marijuana community has been you know very hard in trying to push this in the next thing to where they are allowing marijuana users to still enjoy their constitutional rights of firearms ownership and possession and uh the public defender for harrison argued in the light of the u.s supreme court ruling last year which is nys rpa versus bruin the prohibition was not consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearms regulation. And on Friday, U.S. Jur uh, on Friday of this past Friday, which was like, I think, the 5th or some shit like that, uh, you, uh, on Friday, U.S. District Judge Patrick Wyrick uh, in Oklahoma City agreed with Harrison's attorneys and dismissed the indictment against him. Uh, judge Wyrick, uh, who is a Trump-appointed judge, said in his ruling, that the mere use of marijuana bears none of the attributes that supports the nation's history and tradition in regulating firearms. And under federal law, the marijuana has been a Schedule I narcotic since the Controlled Substance Act was passed in 1970, while legal for medical use in 39 states and recreational use in 21 states, it is still illegal at the federal level, and the DOG has not commented on the ruling but is expected to appeal the decision which would be very interesting if they appeal this decision because at that point in time, uh, if it can, you know, continues to get appealed, it will go before the Supreme Court. And that could be humongous uh, for, you know, farms ownership and farms rights because uh, there's been a lot of talk in regards to uh, nonviolent felonies and uh, drug users, especially marijuana, when it comes to you know firearms ownership because you know federally right now if you are a felon of any type you are not allowed to possess a firearm and uh there was uh, a case uh that was brought up but i it ha i don't think it's gone up before the supreme court yet where it was about um uh, felon, a felon, you know, somebody who had a felony DUI, you know, as a felon, he is not allowed to have his, uh, firearms ownership, but, uh, you know, they're saying that that is unconstitutional. There's no, you know, case law to prohibit somebody who has, um, a nonviolent felony to be prohibited persons for firearms ownership. So, definitely be looking for that to go forward uh you know that would affect a lot of people who were marijuana users because at any given time these people uh could 
go to jail for lying on 4473s. And then also, I mean, if you remember uh, FPS Russia, FPS Russia was a humongous YouTube account back in the day. Uh, I just saw like a, a meme or a GIF with him and uh, I was looking, you know, scrolling through it with uh, my wife was overlooking and I, you know, saw it and I was like, man, like this guy was the shit back in the day. His YouTube channel was awesome. Uh, but that's ultimately what uh, sent him to jail was marijuana and what caused him to lose all his firearms and what caused his YouTube channel to basically cease to exist. It was very, very, you know, sad to see him go down like that. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the future in regards to this case. This next article comes to us from Amelian, uh, and it's about an Oregon measure 114 thwarted again as state Supreme Court denies mandamus. So if you aren't familiar, uh, 114 uh, would have been uh, the uh, a uh, gun control measure where, uh, and in regards to this, the Oregon Firearms Federation uh, filed a federal challenge to this law back in November, and then three other federal complaints came quickly, all filed within the U.S. District Court of Portland, uh, but they stated that Measure 115 passed on the slimmest of margins, and in the two-page Embank decision, the Oregon High Court explained our decision today does not serve as a bar to any future challenge in this court or otherwise any appeal. Rather, as uh, this juncture, given our understanding that the trial court is proceeding as expeditiously as possible to resolve the issues and the parties presented. So, with NYSPRA versus Bruin, uh, basically the Bruin decision, all of these federal courts are having to basically rule on the side of the Constitution in what they have going on. And it is very good for us. I'm telling you, Bruin has changed the game in regards to firearms uh, rights. And it is a huge thing coming. It, you're going to keep seeing this. And it's going to happen where eventually... Uh, one of these states and maybe one of these liberal judges, <clears throat> they're going to continue to, you know, slam gun control in our faces and violate our constitutional rights for the Second Amendment. And, you know, the next case the Supreme Court takes is going to be a humongous slap in the peepee of all these gun control uh, nuts because it is going to happen. Speaking of lawsuits and you know the legal system which a lot of this is uh this next article comes to us from Amelan. it's titled lawsuit against lucky gunner involving gun banners dismissed and settled now if you aren't familiar uh lucky gunner is a website to where uh you know there is you know uh, a website to where you can go into uh and see you know about what's got the cheapest ammunition, where you can get it from, all that kind of stuff. Well, following the tragic events in 2018 where there's a shooting in Santa Fe, Texas, every town law financed by billionaire Michael Bloomberg saw an opportunity to launch such an attack on Lucky Gunner where they tried to blame Lucky Gunner for the shooter to get his ammunition. The lawsuit that every town filed uh, was recently dismissed and settled and Lucky Gunner followed all laws in completing the sales giving rise to the dismissed of the suit. Uh, a fact committed by the plaintiff and victim of the shooting, Trent Basley, upon reflection and review the facts, I believe that Lucky Gunner did not break a law, Beasley said. So uh, Lucky Gunner uh, said that, however, according to, you know, who Jake Feldy, who is the CEO of Lucky Gunner, we did not agree to do anything we weren't already doing. We'll continue investing in a world-class experience for American gun owners who want ammo sales to be secure, convenient, and cost-effective. So good on Lucky Gunner for winning. But, you know, the thing that sucks with these lawsuits that these, um, you know, these nuts at Everytown uh, and Michael Bloomberg continue to file, even though they know they're not going to win, is, you know, they have billionaire Michael Bloomberg financing all this stuff. Whereas these, you know, businesses and these companies, you know, they don't have unlimited funds. They have just the funds that they use to stay in business, to keep their employees employed and keeping those employees' families fed. Uh, 
And what they're hoping to do is they're hoping to file a lawsuit and keep it dragged out enough. As you can see, you know, this started in 2018, which is when they launched the suit four years later. And attorneys aren't fucking cheap. And every time there's something filed or every time there has to be a hearing in regards to this, Lucky Gunner had to pay an attorney to go forward and, you know, fill out some legal paperwork or to be seen before a judge. And then they'd have to take, you know, whatever leader in the company out of work to go and sit in court for all this. They're just wanting to, to bleed them slow and dry. And when it comes to this, I mean, I think we need to fucking, you know, start filing some sort of erroneous lawsuit uh, complaints against these people because these attorneys that are doing this that know that it's not going to work, they need to start having their law licenses uh, sanctioned by whatever state bar association. That's what really needs to be happening. So uh, going in next, if you aren't familiar, uh, this was going to be in the last podcast, but uh, I'm sure by now you know that the ATF has uh, filed their ruling on braces, and it is just absolute horseshit. Uh, I can't, you know, I can go in more in depth than this, but uh, going further into it, the ATF brace lawsuit is hit with, or the ATF brace rule is hit with a lawsuit from 26 states, and uh, the Gun Collective did a very good video about this because uh, there has been numerous, pardon me, there's been numerous uh, lawsuits uh, filed against the ATF for this rule. But this one right here really has the best chance in a lot of people's opinion of winning. Uh, so 26 different states also joined the Gun Owners of America and the Gun Owners Foundation uh, filing a 152-page suit. Uh, challenging the ATF's rule, making it unconstitutional, and even pointing out SBRs in any context is only registered as a vestige of a failed plan to ban all handguns in 1934. And, you know, uh, some of the uh, attorney generals from like West Virginia and North Dakota, along with the Farms Regulatory, Regulatory Accountability Coalition uh, as the lead plaintiff, uh, also joined by the NRA, uh, SB Tactical, uh, Wounded Veteran Richard Cicero, and Gunmaker BT USA filed a f uh, similar suit uh, in the U.S. District Court uh, of North Dakota. And, you know, the plaintiffs in the FRAC suit besides Washington and uh, North Dakota include like Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, uh, basically a bunch of red states, and they feel that this is a positive trend towards regulatory accountability in the courts, and they're confident that the courts will continue to hold the ATF accountable for their pattern of regulatory overreach and ever-shifting opinions. And this is really interesting just because not only did we have the Bruin decision last year, but there was also a decision against um, the EPA, which the EPA was doing something very similar to what the ATF is doing. And that is really what it is, uh, you know, pointing out in this lawsuit against the ETF is that the ATF is uh, using very broad authority uh, that is given to them to come up with these decisions. And that especially since they've changed their mind several times on the braces, I think this is really what's going to uh, make the ATF just completely shit the bed. And this is something that we need to, to keep an eye out on. But unfortunately, like I said before, especially with these legal uh, maneuverings, I mean, this takes time. Uh, the last one with Lucky Gunner took four years. Uh, Bruin, I think that case took two or three years. <clears throat> and all we have is just to wait for this to happen because the wheels of justice move, but they move very fucking slow. Let's go on, speaking of the ETF and how much pricks they are, uh, let's go on to the next uh, article from Amelan and titled this New Leak Show, the ATF's Plan to Revoke FFLs. So there's been newly leaked documents from the ETF, uh, which has stepped up its zero tolerance policy against FFLs. Uh, the documents were turned over by the GOA and shows the ETF is targeting FFLs with license revocations. The Biden administration has vowed to target rogue FFLs, as they call it, and it seems like the ATF is capitulating to Biden's demands. 
you know, an earlier MLN new report showed that the revocations increased 500% last year. The document lays down uh, the new one-strike policy that is being implemented nationwide by the ATF. The guidelines were sent to the industry operation inspectors across the country, and these ATF employees are responsible for the inspections of FFLs to ensure compliance with the law. Uh, the new policy has seen more FFLs lose their license for a whole litany of violations, transferring a firearm to someone uh, that is the uh, using the NICS uh, indices a prohibited uh, will get an FFL revoked. It goes further that even if a person passes NICS and the IOI determines that the NFL has reasons to believe that the person is prohibited, the IOI can revoke the person's gun shop's license and shut the operation. Uh, gun shops also must respond to trace requests within 24 hours or have their F, uh, FFL revoked by the ATF. So there's just, you know, they're really cracking down because they're wanting to reduce the number of FFLs. This is a multi-prong attack by politicians against FFLs and gun owners because they're wanting to come at it from all directions. Whether it be, uh, you know, braces, uh, FFLs, uh, different manufacturers for different things like uh, the FRT trigger. I mean, it is a multi-prong attack that we need to be sure that we are you know, very vigilant from all sides. Uh, something else that this comes to us from NPR, and it's titled Six Major Takeaways from the ATS First Report in 20 Years on U.S. Gun Crime. Now, a lot of this stuff is, you know, stuff that we already knew of, and this is something uh, that I preach. Uh, the number one thing is <clears throat> uh, that... More than 1 million gold guns were stolen from private citizens from 2017 to 21. And, you know, we're all, I'm always harping that, you know, one of the biggest things that happens with gun owners is that they leave a firearm in their vehicle. Your vehicle is not a gun safe. And your vehicle gets broken into and your gun is stolen. And a lot of these are used in crimes. And that is a big thing that we as gun owners need to make sure that we are being vigilant about and making sure that we're not, you know, adding to the, you know, fuel to the fire for these gun control activists. And we need to make sure that we are always being good stewards of our constitutional rights. Uh, the next thing that this uh, article states is that legally purchased firearms are being used in crime sooner than ever. And now this is going back to the E-Trace thing, which E-Trace is, is if a firearm is used in a crime, uh, the local police department sheriff's office can then reach out to the ATF and see who originally purchased this crime or this firearm, which the ATF will look at their records and say, okay, this firearm was you know, manufactured by uh, Joe's Guns. Uh, they reach out to Joe's Guns. Joe's gun says, we made that gun uh, this date and time, and then we sent it to uh, Joe's gun shop, uh, and Joe's gun shop, you know, had it whenever we sent it out. So then the ATF goes back to Joe's gun shop and says, I need you to go look through your 4473s and see who purchased this gun. And we need to know who purchased it and when they purchased it. And that's what an E-Trace is. And... They're showing that 54% of trace guns that were recovered by law enforcement uh, were purchased within the last three years. Which you got to think three years, that is not that great, you know, big of a, a distance. Uh, but, you know, a lot of this, and I almost guarantee you what it is, is people's guns being stolen. Whether it being stolen in burglaries or uh, vehicle break-ins, uh, that is a big thing. And we need to make sure, again that we are keeping our firearms safe and making sure we're keeping them out of the hands of criminals that are wanting to get those guns that aren't traced back to them and that we're keeping them, you know, in our, in our own hands and not, um, you know, in the hands of criminals that are looking for those easily, easily, easily obtainable firearms. Uh, something else, some bullshit, uh, ghost guns remain difficult to track and increasingly used in crimes. Uh, I do believe that's horseshit. So it says there was an increase <clears throat> in 2017 from 1,629, you know, quote unquote ghost guns to 2021, 19,273. Now, 
something that I'm curious about this is that they're saying that these guns are not serialized. Now, what the ATF considers ghost guns also are guns where serial numbers are either removed or altered because that makes them untraceable. Those are considered ghost guns. And I wonder how many of those are considered like 80% guns versus guns where uh, the serial numbers were altered or obliterated. And, but of course, you're not going to find that. That's something that the ETF's not going to, you know, tell you because they're wanting to, you know, start their, their own agenda and, you know, get rid of homemade firearms. The next thing else, uh, in five years, the number of illegal machine gun conversion, conversion devices recovered by law enforcement agencies has jumped by 570%. Uh, and, you know, in 2017, there was 814. In 2021, there was 5,454. Now, something I wonder about this also is, you know, in 2017, man, it was extremely difficult to find, you know, those, what are those, those were called like Glock giggle switches or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Uh, those were, uh, you know, just now starting to come about. And I'm, that's what mainly, if you ever look at, uh, you know, news reports from progressive cities that are always trying to push this narrative, uh, that's mainly what they're talking about. And there wasn't a whole lot of those in 2017. Like they were just like now starting to come around. And then, of course, with, um, you know, Wish.com, because, like, you could find those, at least they used to. I don't know if you can anymore. Uh, you could see all that kind of stuff on Wish.com, and uh, a lot of people were ordering those. Uh, but, it, again, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it just became more prevalent. And then also... Uh, they're trying to say that, uh, you know, you could create these a whole lot easier with 3D printers. Again, 3D printers are something that wasn't very common in 2017, but now they're very common, more common nowadays. And uh, they're saying it's because of 3D printers, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's just the signs of the time. Just like there wasn't a whole lot of fentanyl overdoses in 2017, but there's a whole lot more fentanyl overdoses now because fentanyl wasn't a problem uh, back in 2017 because uh, there was still a lot more pill mills and all the other kind of stuff. It's just, you know, signs of the changing times. Next thing that they pointed out is pistols represent nearly 70% of the, grind, the crime guns traced between 2017 and 2021. Boy, that sure doesn't make it seem like the, the headlines that they push, is it? They're always wanting to say it's the assault weapons that are the problems for these crimes. But that's not the case. Even the ETF is saying it's handguns. And, uh, you know, that is something that I think is pretty interesting that even the ETF is saying that it's not necessarily assault, you know, what they call assault weapons it is what's going on is, uh, you know, the major majority of crimes are caused by handguns, which the FBI crime stats have proved this for quite a while. That's going to be in that article. Uh, the next article uh, comes to us from guns.com, and it's titled as YouTube is ghosting gun content. And this is a huge, major problem in my mind. Uh, you know, it states that the fallout from a wave of term of terms of service had hard strikes, bans, and deletions delivered on, on the eve of Shot Show, known as the PewTuber PewTuber apocalypse of 2023, is, is still being felt. Um, Guns.com is saying that even their YouTube content um, is being ghosted, uh, whereas in you know 2011 they've racked up just over you know since 2011. They've racked up just over 100 million views, uh, but since you know the you know YouTube new terms of service, that their content views have dropped drastically. And basically, uh, what's going on is YouTube is retroactively applying these new terms of service, which I just don't understand. You know, it's not like. You know, I don't know of anything else that does that. It's not like, you know, if uh, your credit card gets uh, a, you know, a rate increase to 25%. 
and before you had 18%. It's not like they're going to go back on all your previous balances and change it from 18 to 25. And now, even though maybe you paid off that money, you have extra, you know, interest that you have to pay for because it moved from 18 to 25 and they're retroactively uh, charging that interest rate to previous monies already paid off. Um, and so the big thing that's going on is that uh, I know that YouTube is saying that you can't uh, have what is what they consider a, a high capacity magazine. So any rifles standard capacity magazine, they can't uh, be seen in the picture. You can't be seen loading one. You can't seem to be loading one into the firearm. Uh, you can't be seen um, uh, putting a suppressor on. I mean, it is a whole lot of fucking nonsense that YouTube is now doing. And it's not just guns.com. I mean, classic firearms, uh, fit and fire, uh, Hank Strange, Clayco 47, uh, Military Arms Channel, Grand Thumb, uh, Mr. Guns of Gear. I mean, all these people are reporting that their videos that they've, and a lot of these people, man, like they get their money from YouTube. So they're very cautious on following YouTube's terms of service. And then all of a sudden, since they decided to change their terms of service and make it retroactive on all previous videos uploaded, all these people are scrambling and they're getting uh, videos deleted. They're getting uh, strikes on videos that like are years old. Um, there, some of these people are getting uh, shadow banned. A lot of these people are, you know, some even some of these people's YouTube channels are just flat out getting deleted because of strikes from videos that are that are old. And it is insane what YouTube is doing. And it sucks because, you know, yeah, there's different uh, YouTube platform, you know, YouTube like platforms uh, like Rumble, Full Thirty. Uh, Utreon, uh, you know, there's all those platforms out there, but none of them have the technology backed, uh, you know, services that YouTube has, and it is drastically hurting us. And it's something else that's crazy. I mean, any phone you get nowadays, it's gonna have YouTube automatically downloaded on it. A lot of these phones also have Facebook automatically downloaded on it, uh, you know, and it is, you know, the gold standard whenever it comes to uh, video, uh, you know, I don't want to say social media because it's not necessarily social media, but it's the gold standard on video uh, applications on your phone, smart TV, whatever it may be. And that's what everybody goes to. Everybody goes to YouTube because YouTube is the main one. It's uh, owned by Google, so it's uh, connected to your Google account, and that's what people you know, are used to, that's what they have. But YouTube is just butt-fucking the gun content creators. And what's crazy is it's not a lot of, you know, it's not just the gun uh, community. It's also like the gun car or the car community or the motorcycle community. Uh, it's a lot of that stuff. And it is really just fucking over, you know, content creation. And these people that like their, you know, content are the ones really suffering. And it's it's just going to continue to happen until all of a sudden, finally, uh, YouTube is regulated like a uh, public utility, like Facebook or Instagram should, where you can't uh, censor or push one product versus the other, uh, you know, like a, a, you know, a phone company can't, you know, prevent uh, calls incoming to a Republican committee, but they allow phone calls coming into a Democrat, uh, you know, office, that kind of thing. That's what needs to happen. So, uh, you know, they, and this article says, so what now? So with SHOT Show in the review mirror, uh, and there's a lot of freezes on posting new videos, YouTube seems to be conveniently reverse some of its actions and as detailed above some pages are being restored and some strikes erased. YouTube says, you know, there were some mistakes made, which 
really they're only doing with the larger content creators where YouTube makes that money. But borrowing the words from uh, Butch and Marcellus Wallace, what now between you know gun content creators and YouTube? It's a little fuzzy. Uh, a lot of people are, are expecting to stay on YouTube because again, you know you can go on to other sites like Rumble or Utreon or uh, Full Thirty, but you're just not going to get the eyeballs like you do on YouTube. So really, you know, for better or for worse, YouTube is is still where it's going to be at. Um, but I'm telling you, something needs to happen, especially with social media in regards to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all these people being censored because, uh, they aren't, you know, the, you know, whatever the, the execs, the algorithm makers, whatever it may be, aren't, um, you know, the fucking political ideology of what these content creators are. Next article comes to us from guns.com. Kalashnikov USA unveils big updates, new chaos gun, plus more. So this is kind of been some uh, gun drama lately, and we're going to talk about another little bit of gun drama as well. Uh, Kalashnikov USA has um, severed ties with Bonnie Rotten. Uh, now, if you aren't familiar with who Bonnie Rotten is, uh, don't Google it because uh, you might end up, if you don't know who the fuck she is and you Google Bonnie Rotten, you're going to find some shit that you don't want to watch if you don't already know who she is. Uh, but if you do know who she is, uh, you're probably still going to Google her anyway because that's some shit that you want to see anyways. Anyway, fuck it. Um, she is, you know, uh, a, well, she's purported to be a, uh, a gun person now. Uh, she was doing some uh, competitions. And actually, I think she married uh, Jesse James. And uh, Jesse James, you know, is also a gun person now. He does custom engraving uh, 1911s and stuff like that. Uh, but she's also, uh, just like Jesse James did with Sandra Bullock, she is uh, stating that he cheated on her and it's over. That kind of just messy nonsense. But uh, they have severed ties with Bonnie Rotten, which uh, a lot of people who uh, commented on Kalashnikov USA's uh, social media always uh, made fun of Kalashnikov USA for doing that, and they banned them. Uh, but apparently Kalashnikov USA has turned a new leaf. Uh, they've unbanned all those people, and uh, they have, like I said, gotten rid of Bonnie Rotten as a ambassador to Kalashnikov USA. <clears throat> And they've also introduced uh, a new uh, K5 series, which is good. It seems like Kalashnikov USA, uh, you know, when they came out with a, a new gun last year, there was just tons of problems with it. Uh, there was some issues with customer support. and uh, But it seems like they're trying to change their, their, uh, their, their problems internally, I guess you could say. And uh, it looks good doing that. And, and I'm hoping good for Kalashnikov USA. Uh, talking about some different uh, gun drama in the gun community. Uh, if you aren't familiar, pardon me, with uh, InRange TV. Uh, it is a gun tuber uh, ran by a person named Carl. And they have been closely associated with Ian from Forgotten Weapons. Uh, they've been uh, kind of buddy buddies in regards to content creation. Now, Ian from Forgotten Weapons is a treasure to the gun community. Uh, he is amazing. But Carl uh, has been a just kind of like a leftist who is also a gun person. Anyway, he was getting attacked on uh, AR15.com. And AR15.com is owned by Brownells. A lot of people were attacking him for his uh, leftist views, uh, which includes, um, you know, LGBTQ and, uh, you know, open drag shows. And, uh, you know, he called them minor attractive persons, but basically pedophiles, uh, basically saying all these people have rights to guns and that we should protect them for their rights to guns. And a lot of people attacked him saying that, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, have drag shows in front of children and pedophiles, you know, you aren't, 
you know, fuck it, basically morals over whatever. Uh, so Carl uh, has reached out and basically called out Brownells on this and stated that Brownells supports uh, hate and bigotry, but, you know, they're saying, fuck off, you know, we're drawing the line there, you know, you can have different political viewpoints than us, but we're not going to openly support that uh, extremeness of like drag shows in front of children and pedophiles and all that kind of stuff. And Carl is get was you know reaching out to his <clears throat> leftist progressive uh, friends on social media, and like all of a sudden you saw like a whole bunch of accounts created and AR15.com saying how they support Carl and how Brownells should support them too, but Brownells wasn't fucking having any of it. And uh, they basically sever their ties with InRange TV and Carl. And they basically are now selling uh, all of his What Would Stoner Do uh, associated products at like a great discount. And under the code name, uh, under the coupon code Triggered, which was pretty funny. So that is some other stuff going on. Ian has kind of separated himself from Carl. And then Carl started attacking Ian. And, of course, the gun community wasn't having it. Now, you know, Ian may have some more uh, uh, progressive political ideations. I don't know. He's kept it to himself, which is like everything else, you know. Um, if you're like a fucking movie star or an athlete, I really don't give a shit what you think about uh, what's going on in, you know, Africa with mining or whatever the fuck or, you know, the weaker Muslims unless you know, I don't know, it's just, it's a whole different thing, you know, there's, there's morals, and, uh, you know, or there's wokeness, and there's people that are, you know, want to virtue signal on both ends, which is, you know, I agree, it goes on with both ends, like, you shouldn't have to say, I don't support pedophiles, it should be common knowledge, but unfortunately, in today's world, you know, sometimes, you have to just make that clear. But then also there's a lot of people that go over the top on that shit and say a bunch of shit like, oh, you know, if, if I saw this, I'd do this. And when in fact they would probably just fucking sit on their couch and they don't even go outside to where they would even see that happen to begin with. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of just like all the drama that's going on in the, the gun world right now in case you're curious about that. Uh, going on into the next story. There was uh, guns seized, I'm sorry, and this comes to us from Syracuse.com, uh, guns seized from Fulton teacher who police said he had tens of thousands of rounds of ammunition. Uh, so this is in Fulton, New York. A high school technology teacher was arrested. Uh, the police seized more than 40 rifles, shotguns, and a bin full of handguns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. Uh, it was determined that he stole school property. Uh, and when finding school furniture and tools during the search, officers found nine illegal assault rifles and 91 high-capacity magazines, which were really uh, standard magazines. But the moral of the story is that if you're in a non-free state, and and it's not like, and I just want to make this sh you know clear, it's not like this guy was planning on uh, you know doing a school shooting or any kind of bullshit like that. Uh, he just stole school property, which is fucking dumb. And he had his um, his firearms in his house. So don't be this fucking dumb. That's all I got to say. I, I just thought this was uh, a, a dumb fucking thing to do. Something else. Another dumb fucking thing. Uh, this comes to us from Hawaii News Now. Uh, and it's titled, Following Complaint City Shuts Down Gun Range Operating Illegally. And what was going on is residents said that they started hearing gunfire in mid-January it continued for over three Sundays, and then it said that the police came out and found out there was an illegal gun range on private property in Akima Road in Hawaii. Uh, you know, they said between 11 and 4, there was residents on both sides, said that they were concerned for their safety, said they were using automatic weapons, uh, and all this other kind of stuff. And, man, this is just fucking absolutely stupid. And, of course... Hawaii is a very anti-gun state. Uh, they said that their gun laws are strict, uh, making it hard to get a CCW uh, without a gun range to practice on and get certified because that is 
what Hawaii law, you know, requires. And this is private property, private property. And looking at the pictures that this person has, it looks like they're shooting into a mountain. And then there's still stuff in the background for more of a backstop. But they're still complaining and they shut it down. So, you know, after the Bruin decision, it, you know, was required that you had to, uh, you know, have to issue pistol permits or CCWs. And it's not uh, an option. You have to do it. So a lot of these states, like Hawaii, came up with all these crazy different uh, rules in regards to getting your CCW. In Hawaii, their rules was that you had to show proficiency and shoot your weapon. But obviously, being Hawaii and being very limited space with a big population, there's very limited uh, space where you can do this safely. So this person obviously was allowing people to shoot on their property to uh, get their um, CCWs, but it was shut down. So fuck off your personal property. You should be able to do this. Uh, just goes to show that you need to live in a free state. Uh, next article comes to us from the Olympian and its title is Washington gun buyers would need a permit to purchase firearms under bills before the legislature. Now, Washington also is a not very much of a free state, and they're trying to pass legislation saying that you need to have a permit to purchase firearms, to even purchase them. Uh, and you would have to wait 10 days after uh, a background check is also done. And the, the uh, dealer must receive notification that the buyer is eligible to purchase the firearm through the Washington State Patrol Firearms Background Check Program before they can sell any firearms to an individual. And again, that's what these states are doing now that brewing is saying that you have to issue concealed carry permits is they're making it almost you know, impossible for these people to get concealed carry permits. And I'm telling you, it's not gonna be long. And I, gosh, I almost wish that you know, the US Supreme Court has the US Marshals, but I wish, <clears throat> they had more of an enforcement arm in regards to making sure that these people are following their rulings in regards to whatever Supreme Court said because these fucking places are doing whatever they can to make sure that they are skirting around whatever they're doing and, and trying to circumvent people's uh, Second Amendment rights. Uh, the next article comes to us from Daytona... 24-7 now, and its title is a dumpster filled with nearly 250 firearms found outside Oklahoma gun shop. And I'm sorry, not Daytona, Dayton, not Daytona, fucking A. Uh, federal agents are on the case after a dumpster of a gun shop's property was found with almost 250 functional firearms. Uh, according, the dumpster was full. Uh, somebody found, you know, a sanitation worker found that the dumpster was full and they called authorities. Uh, ATF uh, found 236 partially cut, but still functioning rifles inside, as well as 12 shotguns. According to the letter sent to the ATF to the shop, a shop employee told federal agents that the guns from the dumpster had manufacturing defects. That The letter also said that the guns needed to be destroyed, and according to the affidavit, the gun owner just contacted the ATF to find how to properly do that. They told him to cut the farms in three different places, all the way through to the receiver so the guns can neither function nor be able to be put back together. But according uh, the rifles that were found in the dumpster only had single cuts and they were still functioning. So, and I'm curious uh, what this had to do. So documents said the agents, uh, he was asked, you know, uh, it's a bunch of bullshit. Sorry, I didn't mean to go into that bullshit. But anyway, I mean, a lot of these guns look like they're uh, like AR-15 type rifles from uh, looking at the uh, pictures and, you know, 12 shotguns. And I, I'm curious if this had anything to do with, uh, you know, the pistol brace ruling. I'm not sure. Uh, it's just very interesting. You know, gosh, man, if I could find 250 new guns to put uh, in the old collection that only had just maybe need a new barrel or something, uh, that'd be pretty fucking awesome. 
Anywho, let's go ahead and uh, start wrapping up the main segment and let's start getting into the gun gear news and back and go to town now. Putting rap on my back and I'm black and snatching crowns. I done came back around like a nigga selling cracking pounds. I got a bag now, but it's nothing to brag about. Gun blast in the background. I'm a black man with a bloodhounds. Mac 10 making love sounds to a bad chick. She from uptown. I'm from down south. Not a loud mouth. We can fuck around. Hit the music, baby. Cut it down. Hit a doobie while you do me and doobie I feel like I'm a bust now. I feel we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that kind of either came out late in SHOT Show or released just after SHOT Show. Uh, and the first thing we're going to talk about is something that the Farms blog reported, and it's the new uh, Canic Meti or Meat MC9, which is a new micro compact pistol from Canic. Um, this is a very interesting looking little you know gun. It's got a uh, just over a three inch barrel. It's just over an inch wide, uh, and it's got an overall. Uh, there comes with a twelve or fifteen round magazine, so it's very almost like Glock twenty seven ish, I guess you could say. Uh, maybe a little bit thinner, but it also has a more of a uh, a uh, magazine capacity, I guess you could say. Uh, and you know, Canic, man, I've shot a few of their firearms. They feel amazing. They work great. Uh, and not only that, you know, they're pretty ergonomic. Like this one comes with three different uh, grip back straps and uh, comes in different colors, uh, tan or uh, tan and black. And the MSRP is only $439, so you're probably going to be able to find this for just over uh, under $400. So <clears throat> that's pretty cool. Canic's doing some pretty cool things out there. Uh, I'm interested to see as more and more of their farms are being sold, uh, how well they keep up. Uh, because, you know, like I said, they shoot pretty well. They shoot fine. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying it's Turkish shit, so they're not going to, uh, you know, put a whole lot of faith into it. But they seem to be well-made enough, and I'm curious to see how they keep on uh, shooting as more and more rounds are being put through them. Uh, the next thing uh, is also something that the firearms blog is reporting on is the Cool Fire Training Showcase. Uh, showing their CO2 powered training system. This is pretty cool. Uh, it is basically, uh, you know, newest models of CO2 powered training system, uh, which are available in the Springfield Hellcat, Hellcat Pro, Sig 365, 365XL, Glock 43, and 43X. So they're really trying to showcase their uh, compact, like really small subcompact uh, farm training systems. And uh, with uh, their new uh, typical long slug pistols, you get like 20 shots, uh, full size 18s, and then with these new subcompacts, you're getting like 10 shots. So it's pretty realistic in regards to uh, you know filling up the CO2 and how many shots you're able to get before you're supposed to do a mag change. And with these, you use a regular firearm, uh, but you swap out the uh, the barrel and that kind of stuff. Uh, the MSRP for this is you're looking around 365, uh, but there's a lot of different uh, add-ons that you can use, uh, you know, for different firearms, software, that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool, uh, realistic shooting type stuff. Uh, next thing, this comes to us from Guns.com. It talks about Strike Industries uh, showing new gun mods uh, that they're coming out in 2023. Uh, new one is uh, the SIG P320 Strike Modular Chassis. Uh, this is pretty fucking cool. Uh, it's like a, uh, a uh, kind of like the Rhinos for the Glocks, uh, but it's something that Strike Industries is putting out. It's uh, you know pretty cool. It's you know got the folding uh, little pistol brace in the back. Uh, looks like it's you know something that you know just adds on to your uh, current SIG. They also come out with uh, new AK handguards and stabilizers. Uh, pretty nice. Uh, Chris Vector handguards. Also, you got a uh, modular Ruger 1022 chassis, which that actually looks pretty sweet. Uh, you also got a Glock 43 light slide. Uh, so it's a, a new slide for your Glock 43. It's got some pretty nice, deep uh, serrations in the front and rear. Uh, also, same thing with the SIG 365. So some good stuff Strike Industries is coming out with. Uh, that article doesn't show any of the uh, MSRPs for it, but knowing uh, Strike Industries, it's not going to be too terribly bad. Uh, Strike Industries is not like 
uh, you know, Zev or anything like that. Uh, this also new, uh, sorry, fucking new article from the Farms blog. Bushnell introduces new Match Pro ED 15 by 56 binocular. Uh, and this is pretty good. It has a shot call MRAD reticle. Uh, it is, you know, Bushnell. So Bushnell, it's not the best, but it's also not the shittiest. Uh, Bushnell makes pretty good stuff, especially on their high-end stuff. Their high-end stuff is pretty good. Uh, this is pretty high end. The MSRP is $700. Uh, but what's really cool about this is that, you know, you could use it for hunting. You can use it for kind of, uh, somewhat long range shooting. It's got a, uh, shot call, uh, reticle on there. So that way you can see where you need to be like a spotter or if you, uh, you know, have some easy show targets, uh, with like, you know, the reacting targets, if you're just doing uh, long range shooting, you can see where you need to move it and all that kind of stuff. Pretty cool. Uh, light transmission is 92%. Uh, pretty interesting little thing. Some uh, new hunting gear uh, that came out from SHOT Show. Uh, and this is coming to us from guns.com. Uh, you have the new loophole range finding binoculars. Uh, those are pretty darn expensive on being loopholed. Uh, you also have uh, the 360 uh, new ammo that they're talking about, <clears throat> which could be cool, could not be. I'm not sure. We'll have to see about that. A uh, whole lot of different new bullshit, a whole bunch of ammo, uh, some uh, different, a uh, whole bunch of new ammo, some new calls, uh, some new trail cameras, uh, that kind of stuff right there. So, which it sucks. Uh, hunting is finally over this weekend in Alabama, and I did not get a chance to do any fucking hunting this year. Uh, right when the uh, rut was going on, uh, that's when I had COVID, uh, and I was out for like a week and a half. Couldn't really do anything, and uh, missed hunting here in, in Alabama, which sucks. Um, really was looking forward to it. Even got myself a new scope, uh, but that didn't happen, unfortunately, for me. So that is going to end our gun gear news and reviews. So let's go ahead and start getting in the gun culture segment and start wrapping the show up. Do a little something interesting today. Uh, something I think that's pretty cool. Uh, this comes to us from GoNintendo.com, uh, and it talks about how the uh, guns of GoldenEye, and uh, you know, it's pretty cool because there's a lot of different stuff that came to us from GoldenEye. Uh, if you aren't familiar with GoldenEye, GoldenEye was a James Bond classic uh, for the Nintendo 64. Uh, it is a game that I played many a times with my friends, and uh, it is, you know, a, it's it's a a game that uh, was very synonymous uh, with my childhood, and it was uh, something that you know everybody I knew when I was a kid played with it. Uh, we had the uh, four you know screens, four controllers. And uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, my favorite always was uh, the golden eye gun, the golden gun, you know, one shot, one kill type thing. Um, there was, you know, a ton of different guns in golden eye. Uh, it's based off of, you know, the Pierce Brosnan, James Bond movie. But uh, it is definitely, it was a great game. And uh, man, you know, when you played it back in the day, you know, especially if you knew all the cheat codes, man, like, uh, you know, like, one friend had a computer and he would print out all the cheat codes and it would get spread around to the rest of the friend group and you'd put it into your games so that way it'd be unlocked uh, and you'd have it for the rest of the time you had the game but uh you know some of the not going to obviously go in through everything in here uh but they had a you know a pp7 they had a, a dd44 dostovi uh they had a zmg nine millimeter uh a silence d5k uh, you know, a lot of different Russian uh, firearms in here. Uh, you know, they had uh, tanks, tasers, remote mines, time mines. Uh, you know, obviously, like I said, the golden gun. Uh, 
the Cougar Magnum, which was cheat only. Uh, you know, they had a US AR-33 assault rifle. Uh, and of course, these are all just like, you know, the game uh, shit in there, uh, which, you know, the US A-33 rifle was more based off of uh, the kind of the M-16 uh, for it. But uh, man, you know, GoldenEye was a great uh, gun game, I guess you could say, for back in the day. Uh, if you're like an elder millennial like myself, uh, you definitely played it. And if you're uh, a gamer, you're definitely know. If you know your roots, you know about it. It was a really cool gun. My favorite was the uh, the cheat for the paintball mode. So that way, like every time you shot, it, there was like little paint that splattered on the walls, and uh, you know you got to see where like somebody was at, especially if you're playing with your friends. That's gonna be just a kind of brief snippet for the gun culture segment today. Let's go ahead and start wrapping the show up. that's going to be it for this episode. I greatly appreciate you for listening to another episode of 2A Lifestyle. Again, if you haven't already, please go to our social media, uh, like and follow us there. That's the best way to keep up with us in between episodes. Also, if you can, uh, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Quick five stars on Spotify or on iTunes, Uh, you know, five stars and just leave us a quick little, you know, few words sentence on what you think of the podcast. Uh, definitely helps others find us whenever they're looking for the gun-related content. Also, uh, please subscribe wherever you're listening to it. That way you make sure you don't uh, lose or miss any episodes as they come out. Also, go ahead and if you can, please uh, help us out on Patreon. Anything you give us, it goes directly into the podcast, and we greatly appreciate it. And until then, I hope you all enjoyed it, and keep on enjoying that 2A lifestyle. I am not okay She tastes exactly like the liquor that I stole in the sixth grade